Hello and welcome to Scopy Radio. My name is Dan Johansson. And I'm Maureen Smith. Oh. And we're joined by Caitlin Ruby Miller of Ruby Images. How are Hi. you? Good. I love your apartment and your cats. Your adorable yeah. cats. The cats are pretty great. They do good work. Oh, weird. Oscar's coming up and hanging out with her. So Moody, so... Caitlin, yeah, this is a first. So we've been hanging out for like <laughs> for like a couple hours now. I double booked today. <laughs> and like I, I was really upset about it at first because like Caitlin was here and I was like, I, I'm so sorry, I have to leave. Like, what do you want to do? Do we want to record later or another day? And you were like, I'll just hang out. You fed like, me pizza, so you have endeared yourself to me. Well, um wonderful pizza. So that wasn't fun for me at that moment but then I got there and like the novelty of it like really kicked it all of a sudden I was like oh this is kind of fun I was like I haven't had to apologize for double booking for a thing in like a year or two like it was kind of a weird feeling I've been much better about scheduling in the past so anyway that's um my story yeah but yeah so because of that you all have been hanging out Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. chatting chatting been cool about art and body positivity and opera mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and independent contracting and taxes yeah and the taxes. wonderful world of the irs cool. but we're not here to talk about taxes <laughs> we're here to talk about beautiful photography rad art rad art mm-hmm. yeah so you've been uh You've been living in Chicago for a while. We, we talked about this before we started recording, which I, I didn't know about because I know that you've worked with a ton of people we know doing uh, photography um, and really running the gamut as far as like, uh, like it's you're you have the thing where you're very willing to work with people that are like undiscovered talent, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. And you mm-hmm. also like Emily Bierson and like the mm-hmm. um, the one that you were meant y'all were Emily Pogorelts earlier, right. Of um, people that, like, have a claim, you know, which Mm -hmm. is really cool. Um, And, you know, the, like, I feel like anyone that has seen your photography, like, catches on to the, like, aesthetic and the branding that you do right away. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, it's, like, I, I don't know. I think it's really interesting. So, I guess... All of this is to say, this is like the never-ending game of why I'm a bad journalist, of not <laughs> not knowing the best place to start when there are just so many things potentially to talk about. Um, would you mind telling talking a little bit about just like how you got started uh, doing photography in Chicago? And even to, as a preface to that, like kind of your, like how you got started in photography? Um, well, I got an undergraduate degree in opera at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and I came to Chicago about three years ago. Um, I followed my teacher, Julia Faulkner, who's now working at the Lyric. Mm -hmm. Um, I followed her here, and, um, it just happened very organically, so I had a set of people kind of in my mind, um, who were friends of mine or people maybe I went to college with who I was just really inspired by their beauty and I wanted to shoot them because I feel like I could bring out an aspect of them that maybe they hadn't brought out within themselves. And that's sort of my favorite part of photography is like seeing a person, understanding a person, getting to know them and seeing a part of themselves that they either haven't advertised on social media, they might not see it inside of themselves Um, or, like, it's a part of their personality that's more subsidiary. So, like, there are a couple people that I've shot who maybe are kind of, like, 
they have this naive presence, but I can tell that they have like this really strong aspect of this of their personality that I can bring out in photography. Um, but anyway, so I kind of naturally started shooting friends. Um, and then I moved to opera singers and, um, you know, I kept getting better and now I own a studio. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, yeah. And sort of my, my first like big league client was Janae Bridges, who, um, is an incredible mezzo-soprano. I think she was at Curtis MSM. Um, she did the Ryan Opera Center and now she's like singing all over the world and, just shooting with her. We did like a five hour shoot and getting to know her better and bringing out her beauty and having it kind of be like chic and modern and trendy, but also very like sexy and empowering. That was just so much fun. And so that was kind of the beginning of like the, now I'm a real photographer stage, Mm -hmm. but I really love it. And like, I was, when I was thinking about this interview, I was thinking about how when I was younger, I was so obsessed with fashion and I would just be on Pinterest all the time and seeing like photographers like Annie Leibovitz and um, Tim Walker and all of their editorials and how like sensational their photographs are. Um, And so that's like, I was thinking that, you know, what would I want to do if I could do the ultimate thing in photography? And it would be to have like intricate bold editorial spreads where I had like an unlimited budget and I could shoot people of different sizes of different ethnicities of different races like they don't all have to be tall skinny blonde white women but just to do like a photo story Mm -hmm. so like what I'm trying to do right now is sort of like a very pared down version of that like what what is possible within my means at this point but it's you know it's about creating a story so that was a really tangential answer but not not at all it's um super interesting um well because i i think i find that like especially with something like photography like it really needs that like narrative thinking Mm -hmm. that's so important um yeah i i would love to talk more because that kind of really informs my next question in one way and um there's like the which my next question is i'd like to talk a little bit more about just your aesthetic like is that something that i what i mean by that is i i feel like it's really easy to not easy but uh that's a compliment i guess it's easy to tell that a a photo is yours do you know what i mean by that like just by looking at it and i think that part of it very much is that what you were talking about of like trying to put on display of a piece of someone's personality that mm-hmm. is not normally on display. Um, but I also think there's just something about like the practical parts of it. Like the, the mm-hmm. lighting is, are usually, um, the way you shoot outside is, mm-hmm. is there's a similarity to the way that you shoot outside to the way that you shoot indoors in mm-hmm. that they, it's, um, there's a boldness to it. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think is really cool. But also, like, a weird limit on warmth. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, would you mind talking a little bit about that? Like, how I coalesce my vision? Probably the, like, the easiest way to what I'm terribly trying to get at is just, like, what, um, how do you think about, as a photographer, things practically? Like, how, like, what 
what are your goals as far as like how the lighting will affect the shot like how dark do you want it to be what you know yeah I think of um I think of good photography especially outdoor photography sort of like as a jazz improvisation so it's like I'm outside and I have a clarinet and I have like a certain amount of chords and I'm just going with the flow so like if we find a prairie and the light's good and we can get a certain image but there are so many different aspects that go into it so like I'll analyze the person, I'll analyze um, the way their body looks, the um, certain outfit that they're wearing, maybe even, like, the angular aspects of their face. Like, some people I've shot have, like, very angular, more, like, masculine faces versus women who have softer, more, like, feminine faces. So, really what I do is I kind of, I look at the scene, I look at the options, like, you know, what angle you can get with the sun and if it's cloudy and you know, all of that sort of stuff. And then I kind of say to myself, like, how can I bring out a part of them? So, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is in some ways it's incredibly analytical, but it's from, like, a really sort of gut reaction to the situation. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, if I'm with, you know, there's this woman named Brienne who is actually an aspiring model. She's not an opera singer. But she has this very um, sort of otherworldly feel, and her skin is very porcelain, Um, And she had this white slip and I was like, what if we just go into the forest and we take pictures of you looking kind of like a fairy that you've stumbled upon? Um, And like, you know, it was darker in the background. So really, I just kind of use the light to my advantage, but I also submit to nature and what Mm. nature is giving me in that moment. Um, So I guess... You know, as I look back on my photography, I do feel like there's a certain style, but really it's just me using my gut and kind of being in the moment. Mm. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. So, um, we were talking earlier and you were saying that at a certain point you were trying to build up your portfolio and just kind of like taking pictures of anyone you could find, but now you're kind of more moving into a like photographer by you know to hire type Mm -hmm. model um I'm wondering how did you find the women that you ended up shooting at first yeah it's funny because I was recently talking to a photographer in Chicago and he was like how do you find these people who are so unique looking and really I just I think it's a combination of things like having beautiful people in my life, but also seeing aspects of them that I can use in a specific photograph. Like, there are specific women who I would want to see a photo of them in a bathtub with milk and food coloring and roses and, you know, like, flowers and all that stuff. So, um, I guess, I guess sort of what I'm saying is, like, in the beginning, my thesis was, like, every woman is beautiful, no matter the color of their skin, their ethnicity, um, if they're on the LGBT spectrum, um, if they're an artist, if they're not an artist, if they're a model, um, if they're a size 12, if they're a size zero. So what I'd like to carry on now that um, I am getting paid to do this is that sort of diversity in my portfolio. I think that's very important, especially in the Trump era, and also because I don't want to create photography that's just... um, carrying on the white Eurocentric um, skinny American upper class view because what's the point in me 
making people look beautiful if they're already what society says is beautiful? Why can't I make people who I find incredibly beautiful, but maybe society would view them as less than in some way? So, um, that was also a very tangential answer. (laughs) But yeah, so it's like, basically, one of my like philosophies is that women, like, the reason why we are all on this planet is because of women. Like, we would not exist without the female form, and I think that is just incredible, and it should be celebrated in photography. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's why I've mostly worked with women, too, and I think there's a special thing about being a female photographer and talking openly to them about being sexy and not being, like, some creepy old man being, like, look sexy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. just... Yeah. So... No, that's... I. And there's a, so yeah. much of that in the fashion industry. Like, creepy old men, like, working with, you know, basically anorexic women trying to... You know, it's just... I'm just not into any of that and kind of stuff. there's a ton of, like, like, sexual assault, too. Like, that one dude who's... Terry Richardson? Yeah. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Majorly yeah. fuck that guy. Mm-hmm. Trash human. Yeah. He's horrible. So, yeah, I think representation. And so, um, now that I am getting paid more, I've noticed that my clients in some ways are starting to look similar. So, I'm trying to um, keep a certain amount of diversity Mm. in my clientele as well. But another thing I love about shooting opera singers is they're all beautiful, but they're, they're different. They have different aspects of their form, different aspects of their personality to bring out. So it's more of a challenge than just taking, like certain models are really just like blank slates, Mm -hmm. but taking a person who's an artist who needs photographs to show different sides of themselves is like a lot more of a logistical challenge. Yeah. So there's a dog or something. I know you were worried about being tangential, and there are literally animals fighting against this recording. Generally, like not just this recording, every episode of the podcast, there's always an animal working against it. Yeah. 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 But that's life. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's nature. Mm-hmm. Uh. So um. Jesus Christ. So, you were talking earlier with me about, um, kind of, like, what you would hope to have in terms of, like, a collaborative space. Mm-hmm. Like, right now, you have a studio that is, that's, like, three artists working. Mm-hmm. So, it's two painters, and they're established, wonderful women, um, and then I'm in the center part of the studio. That's so, so cool. Yeah. They're really wonderful. Yeah. Um, but, and we were kind of, like, talking about how we have similar visions for just kind of, like, this open collaborative space Mm -hmm. where people could just, like, come in and use it and have, um, just kind of, like, free reign of it. Well, it, um, it's interesting, and I kind of want to know your thoughts on the, this polarity that I've, that I think we found, and we, we usually end up talking about it in the sense of, um opera companies and specifically grassroots ones and specifically about ticket pricing and, and trying mm-hmm. to make the art form more accessible like this buzzword of like mm-hmm. let's make it something that the masses can enjoy um and uh I, but I, I think that there's an interesting um polarity between like diversity and accessibility mm-hmm. um 
and I know we were talking about this as, as freelancers, it's an interesting thing to see once you start trying to move as a person from a person who does photography or does um, videography or does recordings or whatever. When you move from that kind of like, I'm building up my portfolio, I'm starting out in this field kind of a thing into a thing of, I need to do this as a way to sustain myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess I'm just kind of curious, like, like your thoughts on that, like, um, I don't know. Like, well, it's, like, it's interesting. I always think about it in the sense of specifically um, opera companies, where for me, I, I think that if an opera company isn't doing their show for, like, less than, a $15 ticket or something like that. If it's a grassroots, like, kind of, like, storefront thing, then they, like, it, there's a lot of people that will not be able to make it. And it's fine for a more expensive ticketed thing to exist, I think, obviously. Like, for, you know, your lyric operas or your, I don't know, where the the bar is so high. Um, but, I mean, like, as a person who appreciates trying to find artists that particularly want to work with you. Mm-hmm. Is that a weird... Is that not a question? It's not a question. It's not a question. It's it's a little bit of a diatribe, but I think that I know what you're trying to ask. You should ask what I'm okay, trying to ask. Okay, so... Um, <laughs> in, a, in a world where you're working with artists, where, like, money is always a factor, mm-hmm. it's always... I'm, I'm wondering, like, and as people who are currently trying to think of, like, a monetizing model, mm-hmm. I'm, I, I guess I'm wondering. I mean, what works for you? Like, how do you, how do you, have you been finding that there's a balance that, that you're making? Um, because, I mean, like, at this point, like, you've been doing photography for, like, a little bit now. Mm-hmm. Um... So, I mean, I think a couple of things. I think one thing is that I'm lucky to have gotten into this field kind of serendipitously and be making money at it. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, at such an early stage in my association with photography. But um, my parents own their own business, and there's always a point in business where you have to put food on the table. So, like, there's a very... I agree there's a very you know, intricate balance between saying, like, I'm a person and I deserve to make some money on this so I can continue to survive. And so also, you know, the overhead of a business is really important. You have to keep investing in it. But there's also um, a balance about making it affordable for artists. And I think right now with my pricing, it's enough for me to feel like my work is being respected, but not so much that I'm trying to like rip people off so I think that's where it comes but I think your question is more complicated in um pursuits when it involves multiple people like mounting an opera or having like this magazine go you know to bigger and greater heights so Mm. um I think with opera companies it's hard because I have friends who work in the opera world and like they're working a nine to five job and then they come and they do like two hours of rehearsal Mm -hmm. so they're having like a 14 hour day and like at the end of the day I personally think they should be making some money because they have an incredible artistry they have years 
of practice in it. So I guess I wish our society maybe either had more grants or the minimum wage was higher or there was more um, respect for artists in general because there are so many creative people, incredibly creative people, who don't really get to make any money off of it. Mm-hmm. And I think I think those two things should come together. I don't think making money is not shameful, and I think our society should bring up artists like and help them to make art and make it possible for them to live off of it mm-hmm. because then our society would become a better place. Well, and so. it, and it all ends up getting tied up into self-worth, mm-hmm. this whole issue. Oh, of course, yeah. Because like, you know, when you um when you like invest so much time in preparing for a gig and then you and you like get a dress for the gig or like a suit for the gig or like a haircut or something, you invest time, you invest resources, you invest energy. Um and then you only end up getting paid 50 bucks or something like so that. So usually you're losing money. Exactly. Yeah. And it and it you end up leaving it thinking like what's it all for? Like is this really all I'm worth? Mm-hmm. And it's it's so hard and it's so exhausting and mm-hmm. like it's it turns into a game of like what am I even doing if mm-hmm. if like all this energy is not even covering the energy it takes to show up. And it's it's hard. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, opera is much different than acting, for example, because I've had friends who are actors, they can go to auditions five times a week and they don't ever have to pay. But with opera singers, yeah. if we want to talk about one thing that's absolutely unequivocally unacceptable mm-hmm. is that opera singers have to pay to audition. That is absolutely mm-hmm. unfair. It should not exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's all of that. Like, opera, it's it's very elitist, and um, it costs so much money to even try to be a part of it, mm-hmm. to even get, like, a toe in the door, not even a foot, but just, like, the tiniest bit. No, I, so. one of my coworkers, um, I, I, I got him a job at the, at the cafe I work at, and one day there was, like, there was, like, a, a, five-hour delay in his direct deposit, which Mm -hmm. is terrible. But he texted me in a panic, being like, I have application fees due, and it's crazy. And, like, the fact that, like, a five-hour delay in a direct deposit could have made the difference for pursuing his, his art for a year Mm-hmm. literally a year it could have impacted his his career for an entire year because of a five-hour delay and that is crazy to me and should not be happening mm-hmm. yeah i uh i want to like just say that like i i do think with the things i was saying before first off definitely a diatribe but also like very curmudgeon-y <laughs> of me at this point because i think i've now come to this thinking where it's really about Chicago as a city. Like, it's such an, a unique little ecosystem that mm-hmm. we have here in that so many people that go to things and so many people that live here are artists mm-hmm. and are underpaid artists. And, like, so, like, it's, it's a really hard thing to see so many people, like, wishing they could do more recordings, wishing they could do more whatever, wishing they could go to more shows. Um... 
But but I also think that there's a lot to be said about Chicago as an artistic space. Mm-hmm. I think that because there are so many people that are here because they want to be, um, because they want to be creating art here, it's, it's super important. And I, I'm also... Sorry, go ahead, what were you going to say? I'm, I'm wondering um, what it's like... So photography is a documentation of a moment in somebody's life and mm-hmm. it, and and kind of like telling someone's story um and you came here three years ago and got into photography pretty much got into photography once you got here um no i think it's only been about two years maybe like a year and a half Gotcha. So I think it was at least, I'm not great with time, but I think it was at least a year into being here. Gotcha. So it's very new. <laughs> yeah. So the idea of, so I, I'm wondering if you could speak to like, kind of, if, if you're noticing any like common themes in the stories you're telling mm-hmm. through this photography, because they, what they have in common other than the work that you do in Wisconsin, this, I'm speaking specifically of the body of work in Chicago, is what they have in common is the place that they live and the community that they thrive in or perhaps not thrive in. And I'm, I'm wondering if you're, if you're like noticing any common threads or if it's all different. Are you saying in the artists I photograph or yeah. in the photographs that I um, create? Um... I guess I guess I'm interested in both because mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm wondering since you are exposed to kind of a large body of of artists within our community mm-hmm. at kind of vulnerable moments where yeah. they're being photographed. I'm wondering if you're seeing any common threads within those moments of vulnerability that you think may be tied to the place that they live. Um, I think that. The biggest common thread in the women I have photographed is um, almost a sense of shame that society has ingrained upon them regarding their bodies. I think there's a moment in every shoot that the woman kind of looks in the mirror or puts on a dress or I'm asking her to do a certain like pose or feel a certain way and I can tell that society has told almost every woman that they're not beautiful. So there's part of that and then there's also sort of like a vulnerability and a desperation in a lot of artists because we're all just trying to like survive Mm -hmm. so in a lot of the shoots like it's you know there is a certain relaxation to the environment but there's also a pressure for opera singers to be like we need one shot that makes you look like an ingenue but the next shot that makes you look like carmen but the next shot that makes you look like carabino but the next shot that makes you look like a girl next door and like having all of these hats and I think a lot of it is like the larger societal pressure for women but also the the um you know the next tier is the pressure for women in the arts and women in opera to look a certain way because all the opera companies are saying well everyone's dying we need to fill the seats but that doesn't mean that everyone has to look the same who's performing just Mm. to fill the seats and I think there's a quality in the vulnerability of the performers and also a quality of voice that is being compromised. And I've heard this from, you know, people high up in the opera industry all the way to people, you know, who are just graduating from college that 
quality is being compromised for image. So, you know, I wish, I wish shoots could be more about just like doing whatever we want and having fun, but there is a certain pressure with opera singers to be like, I need photos for my website that agents can look at me and say like, I'm really great. I'm really marketable. I'm everything you want me to be. Um, And I guess I'm saying that that sort of interaction is kind of a microcosm for society. Like, as women, we're supposed to be the girl next door. We're supposed to be the leader, the mother, the friend, the daughter. Like, all of this at the same time. So I know that was kind of, (laughs) once again, a complicated answer. But Well, and um, we were talking earlier, and you said that at one point you were a plus-size model. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So having been on the other side of the camera in that position... Um, what were, did you experience similar things or specifically being a model versus someone just seeking to have headshots taken? Like, did you notice, like, do you notice a difference? I guess I'm asking, do you notice a difference between like modeling shots and these opera and photographing opera singers? Um, well, when you're a model, you're sort of a blank slate and you're constantly trying to appease the photographer, but also, um, there's just a lot of pressure as a model to look a certain way. And I reached a point where I kind of stopped caring and I was trying to just be myself. But I think for opera singers, there's almost more pressure than models have because they're supposed to sort of look like models, but they're also supposed to be a million different things at the same time. Yeah. Because, like, I feel like gone are the days where someone has one role that they just do over and over again, and they're perfect at it, and they're incredible. Now you have to be everything all the time. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of pressure. So what I try to do to transcend the industry in my photographs is to take photographs where the women see them and they say to themselves, wow, I am truly beautiful, I'm truly unique. I'm truly special and I'm truly sexy in my own way and I can be all of those things and that is who I am. So I think there's, you know, definitely one of my aims in photographing opera singers who have all this pressure on themselves is to transcend doing what the industry wants and turning it into them just being like, this is who I am, take it or leave it, I am myself and I am absolutely incredible. (laughs) So something like that. That's kind of what I'm aiming towards. I think that um, the shots to me that you take that are most compelling are the bathtub shots. Mm -hmm. Um, What what made you... What led you to that shot? Um, So I think there's a definite sensuality to a bathtub photograph, but... I'm interested in it because it's also ethereal and it's incredibly vulnerable. Like, you wouldn't want a big group of people to walk into the bathroom while you're taking a bath. You know, if anything, you would just want your lover, but most of the time you just want to be alone. So, like, there's this sensuality to it and this vulnerability. And also I wanted to take different women. There's, like, something about getting your hair wet and how that feels and how you know, you're not supposed to walk outside with your hair wet. You're not supposed to be vulnerable with your hair wet. And also there's an aspect of the water that's like your makeup starts to fade. You know, you're like truly yourself. And so um, I loved playing with 
milk and food coloring and doing I did different flowers for each person like I decided Marissa was an orchid person and I was a rose person and um, Inanna who is one of my first people was like a mixed bouquet person so it's kind of like I was trying to associate the flowers the amount of milk the color I made the water with the person's specific personality so yeah that's so cool <laughs> And I, I love the, so specifically with, do you have a, do you have a question or? I, no, I, I'm trying to talk less. <laughs> That's generally. No. I... <laughs> no. What, what I love about the, specifically the shot with Marissa is that typically, you know, there is a certain archetype of like kind of the Aphrodite archetype yeah. of a mm-hmm. woman co- coming out of water yeah. and like the a very specific aesthetic of long flowing hair mm-hmm. and that being assigned to femininity. I love the shot with Marissa with her short hair, mm-hmm. which is such which so bucks that aesthetic of mm-hmm. like that Aphrodite like long flowing hair, but it's still so shockingly feminine. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead. And that's why I chose the orchid for her because I feel like an orchid. You know, it's a pain in the ass to have an orchid. It's very special. It's very needy. I have a lot of plants in my house. But I think orchids are the most, like, erotic and um, sort of, like, rare flower. Like, you feel like you're stepping upon it. Like, if you found an orchid in a jungle, isn't that where they are naturally? I think they're in jungles. Something like that. If you found one in a jungle, you'd be like, oh, my God, this is the most incredible thing in the world. And there's sort of, like, a shock to it. So the reason why I chose an orchid with Marissa is there is that shock of, like, where's her hair? But then she has such an incredibly beautiful face. And Mm -hmm. I put um, highlighter on her, which is for any people out there who don't know what highlighter is. It's basically a way to, like, add a luminescent quality to your skin. And so I wanted it to be, like, she's coming out of the water. Her skin is glowing. She's everything you want her to be. And she's incredibly unique. Yeah. So that was sort of the association with the flower too. They're a tropical f- flower. Yeah, so jungle, something like that. Okay. <laughs> uh, but wouldn't that be amazing? Brazil, Ecuador, Hawaii, India, Indonesia, Japan, Mexico, Peru, Philippines. So all of the coffee growing countries, pretty yeah. much. Cool. Yeah. The only thing I was gonna say before was. And testament to why I, I'd like to generally talk less is because it was just one of those, like, where I was like, oh, I'm clearly the man in the room of, like, I never even, like, my mind was blown when you said about, like, the thing about getting hair wet kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or, like, it was like, oh, that would make, it's when, it's like when, as a dude, you hear, like, bra facts, like, annoying things about bras. Like, uh-huh. you're like, oh, that's something I literally never thought about. Or, yeah. like, weird little internal, like, period things or mm-hmm. you know what I mean where it's yeah. like the 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 um yeah the nuances of the of having to deal with certain things for years and years and just kind of ingrained little there's just way more I feel like the dichotomy is that there are just way more of those kinds of things for women that men don't know about than there are of for men that women don't know about do you know what I mean yeah, yeah. So, like, another example of what we're talking about is um, I had a model, Hannah, and she um, she's not a model. She's actually an active feminist, um, and she, 
I believe she identifies as a lesbian. I'm not 100% sure. But she is, like, the archetype for what a woman should be. She's skinny and she's blonde and her body looks like she runs, like, 100 miles a day. But she doesn't shave her armpits. And she had a leotard that says Barbie on it. So I was like, what if we do a shoot where she literally looks like a doll, but you can see that her armpits are hairy? And, you know, like, that juxtaposition. So that was another thing, like... Sort of also like a Marissa thing and how I like also um, taking photos of women who look more masculine is for people to be like, wow, this is a really beautiful photo and they're not being what they're supposed to be. Like maybe, you know, parts of them are identifiable and quote unquote acceptable to society, but other parts of them are like, wow, they're being themselves and women can be so many different things and they can be beautiful being so many different things. I noticed that with your shoot with Kira, too. I love Kira. Everybody loves her, too. Yeah. We're like... <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, you should Kira. Dear Dills the Sir, right? Yeah. yeah. Where, She's amazing. Where, like... She's good people. You yeah. got... People. You did... Um, it, it had kind of, like, a noir vibe mm-hmm. to it, where it was, like, black and white. And it was, like, a city and, like, I don't know. In my mind, I'm imagining that there was, like, steam in the background. Mm-hmm. But, like... But, like, there's Kira, and she's so striking with, like, her... And she's, like, wearing a really sharp suit. I loved that suit. It's a great suit. She looked... She rocks a suit. So, what I wanted to do with that is, um, there was an alleyway next to my apartment, and I was like, I really want to get a photo that looks like a Marc Jacobs advertisement with a lesbian who is beautiful and, um, who has this long hair and this beautiful suit... But I want it to be by a garbage can, and I want it to be in an alleyway, and I wanted it to be kind of dark. So, like, it's almost like you're stumbling upon a scene, but when you stumble upon it, you're like, wow, this is strong. Like, this is a strong woman. So, yeah, I was looking for, like, a modern juxtaposition in that photograph. And she has, like, she has a very soft face as well. Mm -hmm. So, like, the suit was very sort of masculine and strong, but her face is so gorgeous and sort of soft. So a lot of those contrasts I like to have, like Hannah having her armpits not shaved, but having this like perfect everything else or, you know what I mean? Like having certain things stick out, but in a beautiful and purposeful way. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any, like, I'm noticing that you have, you know, that the way that you describe certain shots is like, I wanted to do this specific thing and I just needed to find a person. Do you have any, and like, if you don't want to say it, you can also be like, no, but, (laughs) um, do you have anything that you like are Jones into shoot right now? So I am really into the idea of shooting burlesque performers Mm -hmm. because I've wanted to go into some like very overtly sensual photographs with people who are comfortable with their bodies. But another type of person I'd like to photograph is women of any ethnicity or any race who are legitimately plus size. Like, I was a plus size model, but you can be a size 10 and be a plus size model, which if anyone knows, like, plus size starts around 14. So it's the same thing where you're shooting clothes and you're not the actual size of the person who's supposed to be wearing them. So to take photos of women with curves and, curves and voluptuous bodies and to show that, like, that can be so sexy and empowering and beautiful. So, like, I think those are a couple holes in my portfolio right now. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I just want to continue to photograph people of color because, you know, if you do a quick study and you just page through a Vogue magazine, it's very clear that they're underrepresented mm-hmm. in, like, you know, society as quote-unquote beautiful people. Yeah. Um, and I see a lot of... it's Chicago has a wonderful amount of diversity, and I see a lot of beautiful women of color everywhere. And I always want to go up to them and be like, can I take photos of you? <laughs> that was going to be my next question, is like, have you ever approached a stranger and been like, I need to take a picture of you? Yeah, so um, it's not like I approach them on the street, but it's kind of um, like I run into them in my life, so maybe they're like a friend of a friend. And there was actually one woman... Um, <laughs> who said no, but that's the only person who's ever said no to me. And she was this gorgeous woman with this huge afro, and she was, like, one of the most beautiful people I've ever seen. And I was walking down the street at Rogers in Rogers Park, where I live, and I love Rogers Park. And I was like, can I please photograph you? And she looked at me, and she laughed, and she said, no! She was like, <laughs> she was like what are you talking about? But, like, everyone else I've asked and approached, they've always been flattered, and it's been wonderful photographing them, but... Yeah, I look for something different in each person. Yeah. So, but yeah, I'd love to continue to do opera singers as well, of course. Um, and I'd like to dip into men, but to be honest, I'd like to stick with gay men mostly. Like, mm-hmm. I I just like playing with people who aren't a, po- a part of, like, the heterosexual, white, male, like, everything you're supposed to be. Um, but really, I love photographing everyone. Yeah. So... But those are kind of my, like, little pockets that I want to fill in eventually in the portfolio. Yeah. Cool. No, because we were... This whole conversation has been... We were talking earlier, and it's because you've been here for, like, three hours just, like, hanging yeah. out, and it's been <laughs> awesome. So we were talking earlier, and we were um, discussing, like, how... And it's, you know, obviously, like, being in a relationship with a man, like, I love men and blah, 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 but... Like, we were saying that there's more, there's kind of, like, more to shoot with a woman. Mm-hmm. There are, like, more sides to yeah. shoot with a woman. There's more, like, versatility. Whereas, like, a man, like, what are the things that you look for in a, in a photograph of a man? Mm-hmm. Like, strength? Well, I mean, the thing is, is that it's been the, like, male gaze has so dominated, like, the magazine and art making industry for so long and the male the male gaze is inherently one that want that feels the need that is homophobic and like does not want to explore the male form because like that would that would make you not straight and so for that reason like as a as a person who like I am white straight male cis um I genuinely feel that like it was interesting, the, um, oh my god, I'm blanking on her name, really famous feminist author, Bell Hooks. She wrote The the Will to Change, mm-hmm. which is, like, one of the only in, like, all of, like, of, fe- not that it needs to, you know, I don't even think it was specifically a feminist thing. It was specifically a writing and study and thinking of about masculinity mm-hmm. and trying to really, because, frankly, that's, like, as far as, like, the gender divide is concerned, like, that's where the problems lay, is within masculinity. And so it's it's interesting that there is a... 
excuse me, sorry, that was gross. As I as I talk about masculinity, just burping. <laughs> that was um, very masculine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> very self conscious in this moment. Um, but just like the idea of of action, like it it's something that I, f- I don't know why, but I feel like the it's like cleaning up your own house. Like I feel like really going into what has made men so problematic at this point has to be done by men. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of like where I've been at with it because at this point I feel like everyone else that has just been like underserved and like oppressed, like are just trying to like take care of themselves in every fair and absolutely way that they should. Yeah. And in the meantime, like we just like dudes need to clean fucking house. It should not be a thing where, like, the potentially most progressive uh, candidate in a race has a bunch of, like, sexist douchebags supporting him. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering, were you, like, what would be the, I guess, like, dream... I don't know. This isn't the way I want to phrase it, but I can't think of another way to phrase it. So just take that with a grain of salt. I guess the dream scenario of shooting a white straight cis man. Like in in what like in what would you want to convey with that shot? If I couldn't like dress him up as a woman or do something like really provocative? I mean I guess you could. I I guess what I'm looking for is what would like were you to take a picture like if as a wild hair you were like, I'm gonna take a picture of a white straight dude. Like, what would you want to do in that shoot? Well, I think I would approach him the way I approach everyone, which is kind of, like, talking to him and brainstorming with him before the shoot and saying, like, how do you want to present yourself? So, like, I don't know if he had... if It depends on his bubble. So if, like, the farthest thing he's willing to do is wear a pink shirt, then let's wear a pink shirt. If he's willing to, like do something more provocative then we can do that and we can play with the idea of masculinity but I think for me it would definitely depend on the man's personality and there's nothing against being a sexy man in a societally correct fashion like Mm -hmm. I don't want the male listeners out there to feel like I'm looking down upon them but (laughs) you know like there and to be fair to men, there are a lot of boxes that they have to fill in society, but they also need to, you know, recognize their privilege. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think with a, you know, with a man, I would try to push the boundaries, too, but to, if he was especially a paying client, to wherever he would feel comfortable going. Mm. Um, and hopefully that would produce a provocative photo that would you know, represent him well and perhaps get, like, interesting responses. Cool. Yeah. So just pushing the buttons, not doing... Because, you know, in Chicago, there are a million people who can take a headshot um, and put, like, minimal makeup on you and make your hair look like it's supposed to look like that, even though it took hours to do it and give you, like, a little bit of soft lighting. And um, that's just really not who I am, and I don't want to force myself into that mold because so many other people are doing a great job at it Mm -hmm. so it's like if I'm going to take a person I'd like to push their boundaries but not to a place where they feel uncomfortable for push their boundaries as a way to make them love themselves even more Mm -hmm. and see a different part of themselves that maybe I was the only one who saw it 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm, um, first off, I'd love to, I'm going to ask a question to kind of like transition out of talking about men. Cause I don't want that to be the last thing that we talk about with you. <laughs> um, but, uh, my curiosity, uh, as, uh, as we've talked about, like the idea of storytelling and narrative building is really important. Um, but I also really like the way that you're phrasing what you're talking about now, the idea of kind of like pushing buttons and stuff like that and kind of like getting out from someone, something kind of more, I, I guess, and tell me if the way I'm wording this is weird, but like just kind of like intimate and kind of that, that kind of thinking. Um, but you know, I'm also really curious, um, like how someone, when someone works with you, um, like how does that end up? Like, is there like a, like as you're shooting with a, with like a woman or anyone really, um, is there like a feeling out period? Like, obviously like consent is very important like how does that all kind of yeah work? um so i try to contact my client a lot beforehand and kind of a lot of times when they come to me they know what they're getting like they know that they're gonna get something quote-unquote special like right. that's usually how people describe me and so um Basically, I get to know them, I help them feel comfortable, and I am currently getting a master's degree in psychology, and so I'm, you know, I love meeting people with different personalities, and I love, like, it's almost like a therapy session meets a journey, meets an artistic endeavor, meets just, like, improvising on a jazz stage, like, mm -hmm. all of those things kind of happening at the same time, so, like, I try to show them that I think that they're beautiful and I usually compliment them a lot, but not because I'm forcing myself to, because I really want to show them how beautiful I find them. So that's an important thing for someone you're photographing to feel confident. And then also I give, I start out for about 30 minutes giving them a lot of tips about like, these are certain ways that I learned in modeling of how to like position your body to feel good and so it's almost like you're teaching them a couple scales and then eventually you just allow them to express themselves and so it's really organic so usually by the end of the shoot I get to a point with them where like they're really excited about creating a photograph and I'm really excited and we're like about 50 50 vision wise and then we're just like literally having so much fun and yeah. that's I think where the best photos come from like I was photographing Lindsay Metzger, who's an incredible mezzo-soprano at the Ryan Opera Center at the Lyric right now, and um, we were having a great time in our last shot. She was wearing this red dress with this huge cape, and at the beginning of the day, my vision was, like, to have a fan on the beach, and I was like, man, Lindsay, it sucks. I can't have a fan on the beach. And then literally at the end of the shoot, there was a ridiculous wind on the beach, and I was like, we need to get on the beach now. And so, um, I don't know, people can check it out, but she was in this red gown and the cape was just like flowing against the wind and I felt like there was this um, equivalency between her being really invested in the photo happening and me being like just really excited about it happening. Um, so it's just moments like that that are really special and I don't know if you know about the psychologist who studied flow. Do you know about him at all? I think he has a really long name, but the the idea of flow is like where skill meets um, being in the moment. And so I do have moments of flow in photography where like I feel like the moment is just so beautiful and I'm completely in it. And that's where it's one of the theories of happiness that one can derive a lot of joy from moments of flow. 
So, like, for example, performers have moments of flow. And so, like, those kind of moments of flow for me in photography are where I find the most joy. Where, like, the, you know, the person I'm photographing is excited and happy and feels like they're being themselves. And they feel empowered and sexy. And I'm just doing that with them. Like, we're a, we're a team and we're, you know, we're going for something beautiful and they know it's happening. Cool. Feeling. Great. So the last thing we do with all of our guests is a one minute plug for any, anything they have upcoming or um, just generally where people can check out their work and what they're doing. Um, it can also really include other people you think are doing dope work um, or uh, self-care stuff like media that you're consuming, TV shows, books, music, any of that stuff. Um. Well, I want to mention that um, I just finished my first novel and I had, <laughs> I had my friend read it and it was so much fun and if anyone listening wants to start um, a poetry group I would love to do poetry with people um, my website is CaitlinRubyMiller.com and you can go to the blog portion of my website to look at the series of photographs um, I also have a page on Facebook called Ruby Images, and Ruby's my middle name, so it's an easy way to remember it. Um, I'm a part of a group called Shoporatic, which is like a 10,000 um, person. Sh I yeah. Like yeah. So it's a huge group of opera singers, and I'm represented on their website. So I'm currently, actually, it's funny, I'm doing this um, collaboration with a woman, Tracy Cox, who makes. I believe she lives in New York City, and she makes um, earrings called fringies, which are like earrings that look like fringes, mm -hmm. but they're really popular within the community. So right now we're doing a shoot where if you book a, f um, a session with me on Shoporatic, you get a free pair of fringies delivered to you, and you can like choose the color and all that stuff. So that's been really fun. Um, and yeah, so I would just encourage you to like check out my page. Um, contact me personally. We can do like a Pinterest board. We can talk about, you know, what your budget is, what your vision is, and then I can make it happen. Cool. Awesome. awesome. Well, thank you all so much for listening. I've been Dan Johansson. I continue to be Maureen Smith. If you want to keep up with what we are up to, there are a lot of ways that you can do that. You can head over to scopymag.com. That's our website. We post all of our articles there, all of our podcast episodes, and all of our studios. <laughs> uh, there will be new stuff. When you're listening to this, if you're listening to this when it comes out, it would be today. Uh, but uh, for where we are now, probably tomorrow night. Cool. Um, so anyway. So tonight, future. Yeah. Time. Um, do check that out. Uh, <laughs> um, otherwise, you can keep up with what we're up to on the old social media places. Facebook, we're Scopy Magazine. That's the only one that's different. Otherwise, on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, Google Play, and iTunes podcasts, we are under Scopy Mag. Uh, sh shoot us a review on iTunes if you don't mind. That's something that we're all, we always ask for. It's super helpful. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, S-C-A-P-I-M-A-G. And as always, I'm here to emphasize the importance of donations. We run on a shoestring budget. Everything that we've been able to do up to this point has been through your generosity. So first of all, thank you so much. Second of all, we could use a little bit more help. Uh, if you're in a position to give, you can head to our website, scopymag.com. 
go to our about section. You can give in a couple ways. You can do a one-time donation. If you choose to do that, you will have our eternal gratitude and a handwritten thank you note. If you choose to give at a monthly level, our next two donors at any level are going to get a bag of half-wit coffee, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Um, blah. Anyone at $10 a month or more gets a free session a month of Daniel Photography in our Which I'm going to say is definitely, if you want really quality storytelling, awesome, like you're going to shoot somewhere really cool, reach out to Caitlin Ruby Miller of Ruby Images, definitely. Mine is utilitarian. (laughs) I need a headshot for something tomorrow. tomorrow. (laughs) You'll come to my apartment. I'll throw up lights quick, probably make some food or something like that, and we'll take a few shots. And like, and like, we'll figure, like, if there's And then we'll anything, watch Steven Universe and it'll yeah, be awesome. Right. But like, I, my specific jurisdictions at this point are like, I don't really, I could do like maybe my courtyard, but like, I'm very lazy and very busy. So I don't really like want to leave my apartment <laughs> if I don't have to. You're really selling like, this, this incentive. It's well, really I, awesome. I'm like, I'm trying to. I'm really to... excited about it myself. I think I'm, I'm going to give it $10 a month yeah. so that you can take weird, lazy pictures of me Not too. That well, I just. <laughs> I just like wanna. I, I want to figure out a better way to like explain what it is that I imagine the ten dollars a month photography thing because I think that there's a difference between that and like what you're doing, you know, and that's mm-hmm. specifically because you're here. Like I'm not just doing this because you're here. Like it's just something I've gener- generally been thinking about as we move towards, you know, what it looks like to be getting something as part of a co-op model, public option kind of a thing yeah. we're playing with versus getting something at a premium level. Anyway, so the $10 a month photography session once a month in our apartment is, with a screen. Is your good friend Daniel with a nice camera and an hour to spare. Yeah. Um, so anyone who gives at $25 a month, good lord, anyone who gives at five or $25 a month or more, um, we've carved out some website space for a nice little shout out section where we can list your name and then a link to anything that you would like plugged. So basically advertisement on a well-trafficked website for $25 a month. Yeah, we average over 1,200 uh, page views a week and over 700 unique visitors. So and that's on a slow week. Yep. Um, so yeah, give a little, give a lot. And if you can't give, then listen, participate, and share. Cool. Thanks again so much for listening. Go out and make something. Yep.